As you are able, let us stand for our hymn of preparation of sanctuary. We're going to sing it twice. Let us stand and sing. As we hear this word from the Gospel of Matthew, I invite you to hear Matthew 9, verse 10 through 13, words of which can be found in the back of your bulletin or on our screen. I invite you to hear these words. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disruptible sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is God's word for us this day. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you join me in prayer? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this life and this moment amongst us. And Lord, as we enter into this time of deep discipleship, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your word speaking to us. Turn out distractions of our day and our lives so that we may focus upon your word. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm sure when we think of the concept of hospitality, our minds immediately go to festivals and parties or different conversations of welcoming our friends and family. When we think of hospitality, maybe we're thinking of cleaning up our house before the, the company comes over, maybe for a, to watch a game or for a dinner or for some other festivity. And we do that hustle and bustle of cleaning up real quick and throwing everything into the closet because we want everyone to be welcomed and have a clean home when you come in. Or maybe we think about throwing the biggest potluck spread you've ever imagined with all the fried chicken, the green beans, and the 
mashed potatoes and rolls and all of that. And we think that the big feast and having every, all of our friends at the table is a sign of hospitality, that we welcome our friends and our, our family members to join with us at the table, to share stories, to share conversations, and to share expressions of greeting and welcome. I think we can all picture moments of hospitality and that sense of welcoming people into our homes or our lives that maybe we've missed in the last 18 months or so of life. Maybe you've been like me and over these last 18 months you've tried to keep a Heisman Trophy length away from anyone and everyone because you're trying to take care of your friends and your neighbors and you haven't had as many people over as you would like. And so maybe those images of welcome and hospitality are, are things of, that we've missed over the last few years or months. But those images of hospitality, this idea of welcoming our, our friends and our family and our like-minded people, of having them gathered around our, our table, of welcoming them with a big hug and a big embrace and maybe a kiss on the cheek are, are perhaps expressions that I like to call a hallmark expression. Made-up expressions that are, are nice and all, but, you know, what do they mean? You know, it's nice when we can welcome our friends, and it's nice when we can welcome our family. Well, maybe not all of our family. Sorry, Grandma. But what does it mean to truly welcome? What does it mean to welcome in a good Christian hospitality sense. You see, when we think about the idea of Christian hospitality, we're not thinking about this, these hallmark expressions as just simply having people over, dressing up the church, putting in the, cleaning up the cobwebs or putting up the nice sign and making all the things look good. Oh, that's important. We want our church to look good. We want our building to not have cobwebs in it. We want it to be taken care of. But Christian hospitality goes much deeper. Christian hospitality gets beyond the surface level of making it look in the appearances of looking good. Christian hospitality gets to the sense of what does it truly mean to welcome each other as Christ welcomes us? What does it mean for us to break down the barriers of society and life to where we can move from a place of exclusion to where we keep people away from us not because they may get us sick, but because we just don't want anything to do with them. And to move into a posture of embrace to where we live with outstretched arms like Christ to say, I love you. And I want to be with you and I want to consider you as part of my friends and a part of my family. The Christian sense of welcome and hospitality goes much deeper than perhaps any of us have ever thought about in worship or in our community or in the life of our congregation. It is a novel concept and perhaps an ancient concept that has gone lost in the, in the life of the church because of where we have replaced hospitality and society of making things look good or just welcoming our friends and family. But we've missed the biblical concept that is perhaps way import, too important for us to miss in the times we find ourselves in today, in a time in which we're angry, in a time in which we are divided, in a time in which we are just sick of each other if you don't agree with me. 
are a time in which we can easily just yell off and get mad at each other for no reason. I think if there's anything the last 18 or 19 or five years have taught us, is it has shown us how real our partisanship and our polarization has gotten and how divided we really are. But we're called to be a counter-reality to the divisions in our world. We're called not to live as a part of the divisions. We're called to be the answer to the divisions in our world. We're called to be a witness of Christ in a broken and hurting world. And the way we do that is by recapturing the idea and the concept of hospitality. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what does it mean to express and to embrace this idea of God's welcome in this divided time we live in. What does it mean to even welcome people that when you look around our church or maybe look on those people that you've seen pop up on the scroll on your, on your computer as you're watching online, you see that we're missing in our congregation? What does it mean to truly welcome people and roll out the red carpet and to embrace people? That's what we're going to be talking about over these next four weeks. But we, to do that, we've got to start with this concept of what does it mean to truly welcome? We've got to build a, a theology of welcome so that we can be people who are welcoming to others. And we do so with this passage from Matthew 9, verse 10 through 13. In the lead up to this passage, Jesus has gone to Matthew, who in other gospels is called Levi. And Matthew is a tax collector. He is someone that is considered the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst, someone you wouldn't even want to be around. And Jesus has invited him, not just to come and be a part of his life, but has invited him to be among his 12 apostles, the 12 that he's going to give leadership and accountability and responsibilities to, to share the message of God out into the community. We know nothing else about Matthew. We don't know if he's this person of deep faith. We don't even know if he's, what background he comes from. All we know is that he's a tax collector. But in the next story, we see Jesus doing what Jesus often does. We see him welcoming in embracing people. We see him seating or sitting at a table and laying down, reclining at a dinner table. That was the custom in the, in the Greco-Roman world if you were at someone's home. You didn't just sit, you didn't sit in the chair. You kind of reclined back on some pillows and laid at the table and feasted on whatever was in front of you. And so Jesus is at this home and he's being part of this idea of embracing others being a part of this inclusive community, being part of this welcoming body, being part of this place of grace where he welcomes others. But did you notice who's in this? He's welcoming, not, he's not at dinner at McDonald's with his disciples. He's there with tax collectors and sinners. The same very people that we see Jesus walk with and embrace, these people that live on the margins of society. And that gets the Pharisees upset. You see, they get upset, and this is because they think Jesus is violating the law. And if Jesus was a good rabbi, if he was a good teacher, he would know better. You see, Jesus and the Pharisees had a lot in common, but where they fell apart 
was often on this idea of the tradition of the elders, this book, this interpretation of of the law, the Old Testament, that went around Scripture to say, you don't just violate Scripture, you don't violate this tradition, because if you do, then we know that you're going to end up being sinful. And so the Pharisees had this practice of exclusion. And when you exclude someone, you're basically saying that you have no dignity. You have no worth. You are less than human. We don't want you in our lives. We don't want you in our, our community. We don't want you in around us. We'd rather not even talk to you. To exclude is to look at someone and say, there is no way God could love you. And the Pharisees somehow, they approach Jesus and they look in. We don't know if they are at this meal themselves or if they just happen to hear or if maybe they're walking by and they look through a window and they see Jesus lounging with these sinners, these tax collectors who they knew nothing about other than just what they did, that they took money from the people and often charged a higher rate than what was necessary in order to pocket the the sum for themselves, to take advantage of others. Pharisees knew nothing about the people, but they knew that they didn't want to be around them because if they were around them, they themselves could get dirty. They could get unclean. They could get cooties. And so they excluded them. I wonder if there's people in our lives that we exclude. I wonder if there are people in our lives that we look at and say, there's no way that God could love someone like that. Oh, pastor, I'm a good Christian person. There's no one in my life that I would ever exclude. I'm a loving person. We tell ourselves that, right? So I want you to play a game with me for a moment. I want you to imagine in your pew with you right now or at home, imagine someone sitting next to you. And I want you to picture that person coming into our church or into our homes, into worshiping with us. How would you feel if that person that walked down the center of the aisle and sat next to you had on a suit and tie, but wearing on their hat was a red hat with white lettering that said, Make America Great Again. How would you feel if that person sat next to you? What if that person came in wearing a flag draped over their shoulders that said, Trump 45 in 2024? How would you feel if that person sat right next to you? What if, too, someone came into the church and had a big old shirt, they opened it up and said, I love me some Joe Biden. Or maybe I love some AOC. How would you feel if that person was sitting next to you? Let's take it down even to a a local level. What if that person that comes in and sits right next to you is someone that we help at Prestera. 
or at Harmony House. Or maybe it's that person that was at Target asking for money just the other day. What if that person comes in, they smell like they haven't had a bath in two weeks and their clothes are disheveled? What if that person comes in, they don't put a single dime in the offering plate because they don't have a dime? What if that person's the pastor? Or what if that person's someone that has children that are so loud you can't even hear the pastor speak? What's going on in your soul right now? Maybe it's an immigrant that's here illegally. Maybe it's someone of a different culture and ethnicity. Maybe it's someone that's from somewhere you don't even know. What's going on in your soul? How do you feel if that person is right there next to you? Would you be happy? Would you be welcoming? Or would you want to get up and find another seat? My gut tells me, and my preacher gut, not my gut that says WVU is going to turn it around one of these years, my preacher gut. My preacher gut doesn't lie to me like my WVU gut. But my preacher gut tells me that I have stepped on just about everybody's toes right now. Because I guarantee you there's someone on that list and maybe someone we haven't thought of that if they showed up here, we'd be calling me the next day and say, how'd you let that person in here? Don't you know we're not like that? We don't let those kind of people in here. What kind of anger are you feeling in your heart? What kind of anger are you feeling in your soul because that person dares to show up in your presence? Now let's flip it the other way into a feeling that I guarantee about 80% of us have never felt in our lives. What would it be like to be that person that we say, you're no good? What would it be to be that person that just wanted to sit down and hear God's word or to be in relationship with other Christians and we say no thanks to? What would it feel like for us to be excluded in society because of nothing else about us, nothing else that anyone would ever know about us, but simply because they assumed something about us? It'd be painful, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be something we'd want to deal with, right? That's what it's like to exclude or to feel excluded. But if you notice, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes to the very people that are told, no thanks. We don't want you around. He goes to them and says, I think you are someone of worth. I think you are someone of dignity. And I want to get to know you. So he goes and he has a meal with the scum of the earth. That's the New Living Translation. That ain't me. That's the New Living Translation. But he goes and has a meal with them. The most intimate thing you can do with someone is to have a meal with them, right? And he sits and has dinner with them. And he says, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your lives. Tell me something that I don't know about you. 
In doing so, he welcomes them into the community, welcomes them into the fellowship, welcomes them to know that they are a child of God and a person of worth. Jesus embraced the very people that we exclude. Jesus purposely goes into the margins of society, the places of the outcast, the places of the forgotten, and builds relationships with them. And they're receptive. You know why? Because they're hungering for God. And they recognize that they need hope. The Pharisees couldn't see it because they thought they did everything right. They did everything perfect. But they, all they could do was take care of themselves. Jesus, however, went into the margins. And with outstretched hands, he said, I embrace you when no one else will. And I love you when no one else will. Jesus calls us to embrace people and to see them as having dignity and to being people of love. Jesus calls us to a radical way of love and acceptance to where we welcome all people. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you vote for, no matter where you live, no matter who you root for, God loves you and calls us to love them. And so what does that mean for us? How do we live that out? Well, first, we've got to go to them. We can't sit in our churches, in our nice little comfortable pews, in our nice little clothes, and expect people to come to us. We've got to get off our you-know-whats and go to them. We've got to be comfortable in going, being uncomfortable and going into the society margins and going where the people are. not with any expectation of return, not expecting anything out of it, but simply to go and pulling up a chair and saying, hey, I just want to have a talk. I just want to get to know you. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your community. Tell me about life. And as we build that relationship, we build that connection, we build that trust then we have the opportunity to say, you know what, I want, to, I want you to come try this thing out. Maybe come to a Bible study. Maybe come hear our goofy pastor. Maybe come and be part of our, our discipleship or our missions. But we want you to be part of our family. Not because we see you as a scoreboard, not because we see you as someone that could replace us in 20 years. But we simply see you because we want you to be part of our family. And we want to be part of your family. To embrace is to welcome. And to embrace is to express Christ's love into the margins of society. And not just the margins of society, but perhaps even the margins of our own heart to the people we exclude. And in this divided time in which we are taught not to welcome people, in which we are taught not to accept people unless they agree with us, and not to treat people as friends unless they check off all the boxes. What would it look like if the church reoriented itself into a radical expression of love and welcome 
to where simply because of who you are, we want to get to know you. And what would it look like for us this week to begin that work? I want you to think back to that little game we played a little bit ago. What was that group in your heart that you had the worst time with? What was that group that we mentioned that you struggled with the most to think about? What would it look like for you to call someone from that group? Or maybe to go on the internet and learn something about them. Not to confirm your own biases or prejudices, but to understand who they are and to understand what they are about. What would it look like for us to do one thing this week? To reach out to someone that we've excluded in our lives and to express the welcoming of God to that person. I think that is a massive step. I think that is a hard step. Do you know what happens when you take one step? You take a big step. And you're really closer after that one step of moving closer to each other. And then you take another step. And then another step. And another. And another. And another. And another. And the more steps we take, you realize then we end up being in what? In the midst of community with one another. To where we can share love and grace and hope with each other. And to treat every person with dignity. No matter who they are, no matter what they are. And treat them as God does. As part of our friends and our family. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your grace and your heart and your love amongst us. Lord, we know that there are people in our lives that we exclude. And Lord, as we call them into our hearts right now, we ask for your forgiveness for the moments where we've excluded others whether by their politics, whether by their race, whether by the harm that they have caused in society or whether the harm they've caused to themselves, whether simply because we don't understand them. Forgive us, God. But out of your grace and out of your forgiveness, empower us to be your people that welcomes every person, no matter who they are. Help us to treat everyone that comes into our midst as your friend and part of our family. Through Christ we pray. Amen.